0: Hi, this is Tim Winter. Welcome to What Would Dave Do? A digital conversation exploring the leadership experience. You can listen to it at timwinner.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to What Would Dave Do? a podcast exploring the leadership experience. Super excited today, but of course I'm always excited uh, to have guests on my show. And today I have Jennifer Barker, who is a dear friend. Uh, we work together at Hollywood. Um, I think she's probably one of, I don't know, one of the smartest people I know. And uh, her ability to cut through um, very complex issues and be able to communicate them is, uh, is really, uh, I think one of her strengths. I, uh, I, I had the chance to, uh, to run into her not too long ago and then she, I think she was at our holiday party and, and I just, uh, she was immediately somebody i wanted to put on the list uh to talk to uh, we have a great history at hollywood and it's uh it's uh superseded that and jennifer is in the design commercial design business uh she is uh repping for a company currently and uh she's uh she's just a dynamite person so jennifer welcome to the show
1: well thank you tim i'm happy to be here
0: Wow, you're it's it's uh it took a little it took a little nudging, but you you finally
1: <laughs> so what have you
0: been up to, man?
1: Um, well, I think uh like we were talking about earlier, I think the pandemic threw everybody for a loop and I kind of took a, a left turn and and left the construction and design world that I've been laboring in for something so, several years and decided to go into sales because I missed talking to people, and sales is all about building relationships. So, it's been a great uh, avenue for me. And I'm my customers are the people that were my subcontractors when I worked for general contractors. So it's fantastic.
0: Wow! And, and you're working in like uh, all things flooring,
1: correct? For, com- for commercial, yep, commercial flooring. So a lot of multifamily projects, as you probably see all the cranes around these towers that are being built, a lot of healthcare projects, a lot of senior living projects. All those are are kind of market silos that are still in huge growth mode. Why do we hate
0: carpet so much?
1: <laughs> well, I don't sell carpet. I only sell <laughs> resilient. So I hate carpet because I don't sell it. <laughs>
0: I don't think you can walk into a bill. I mean, it's either polished concrete or it's some, you know, it, it, it it's some flooring or it's carpet squares. I the yes. old carpet is gone, right? I mean it's yeah,
1: it is. It's it's definitely polished concrete is having its moment now for actually quite a while and of course I think it's horrible because the acoustics in the space just change dramatically when you don't have a, a floor covering on the floor so that's my big push is you need to put floor on your floor
0: but, but didn't you well I guess it didn't matter but didn't weren't you part of the design team that put uh that we did polish concrete at the Hollywood stores at the at yes the-
1: That was a big VE option that was a push to really, uh, if you remember, we went through uh, significant growth in a short period of time. And along with that, um, blew some budgets. So (laughs) we ended up doing a huge what we called right sizing of the stores. So we downsized a lot of stores to one, accommodate for the new game crazy concept, but two, to also kind of figure out really what was the right product mix and what was the right size to be profitable in that that real estate. And as part of that, we also looked at the decor of the space, the design of the space and how we could reduce costs in that. And one thought was polished concrete, but I don't think that proved to be much of a cost saver given existing conditions of the floor, you know, the subfloor and the spaces we went into. So so that was the great thing is we experimented a lot and we were allowed to do that.
0: Well, I remember talking to a Blockbuster executive and they were building out their stores, you know, at about 160,000 back then. And you know we were we were close to three. Of course, we had twelve hundred feet of you know neon. We had one hundred and twenty televisions. We had yes. you, you know everything that we did. Um, and you know they were doing the same volume, and, and Block was building them for buck sixty.
1: Yes, because yeah. it was
0: basically a vanilla shell, right?
1: It was, yeah. But we were all about. Um, I remember when, during my interview process, I interviewed with John Stark, who was a great mentor. Oh yeah. And he took me to several stores as part of the interview process. And I remember one of the older stores had a a motto right below its huge bank of TVs as you walked in. And it said, we're different, but you'll get used to it. And I kind of chuckled at it at the time because it was a loud and proud store. And I thought, wow, this is pretty garish and not really on trend right now. They were in the process of really hiring people to Come up with a new design concept, and I was part of that team. And but I, but that motto stuck with me because we were all about the customer experience, and that included the experience of how you felt when you walked into the store, not just the experience of selecting the movie, but that you felt like you were walking into a pretty cool space. And I think we achieved that.
0: Oh, absolutely. All the way to returning the video when they would wrap the drop boxes. So, yes. that is, so that was an experience too, when you dropped it off at the end, it had the mm-hmm. big clapper on it and it, it did the whole thing. Yeah, that was, I'll tell you that, that, that there's a funny, uh, a, a real funny story is um, we had done an acquisition and uh, you know, this was how naive we were, but we had done an acquisition out in Minneapolis of the Tidal Wave video and uh, we took everybody's sweatshirts that had that logo on it.
1: So oh, I a yeah. big Hollywood
0: video, different, but you'll get used to it. Probably not the right thing to tell a bunch of people who you just acquired. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> a little in your face. A little. Yeah. And, we, and, we,
0: and that was just, we were naive, right? We Like right. we knew it was about the customer. You You didn't have to pay your late fees to rent a movie that night. If you could pay something, that was great. But what we really wanted you to do was continue to be a customer. Exactly. Where Blockbuster had, you know, that was a, one of their key KPIs. One of their key metrics was, you know, how much bad debt they collected in a night. And so their yeah. managers were very focused on that. Yeah. And we kind of turned that upside down. So when we approached it, yeah, we were, di- we were very proud of being different, but you'll get used to it. But probably the wrong thing to give a bunch of new employees that we just acquired.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so but, that's yeah, the but- flip side of that. I think they soon came on board once they experienced um, the care that they received once they were under the Hollywood Video wing. You know? No,
0: they all quit. They all they all oh. <laughs> they all hung with us until um, the the night before we opened. It was kind of a big fu. And the night before we opened, I was my phone was off the hook. People resigning. Um, Not everybody, but a good share of them. But, you know, we were a big enough organization at that time. We had brought in a bunch of district managers and folks from other markets who were there to help us uh, because we knew it was going to be, you know, we closed all 14 stores, remodeled them and reopened them in 30 days, 35 days or something like that, and then did a mass mailing with two free videos. And, um, you know, we were just way overwhelmed by the business that we had. And, um, and, and then there was this big, uh, yeah, they, you know, I mean, it, look, I always say, I, and I tell CEOs this when I'm coaching them or, or doing consulting is, you know, the employee always wins.
1: Yes. You, you can have all the,
0: yeah, they'll always get the F you. They can always piss off your customer. They can always, they employee if you think you have control, you know, Herb Keller said it best, the founder of Southwest airlines, control. Never had it, never wanted it, because yeah. he knew he he didn't have control. He couldn't be in every airplane in the air. He had to create an environment where people wanted to do the right thing.
1: Yes. And I think that was what was great about Hollywood Video. Absolutely. We listened to the people on the front line, and we, we didn't just listen. We acted on a lot of their recommendations. We would swing big with some crazy ass ideas and we were allowed that leeway to at least try it and um that was what was phenomenal was the entrepreneurship that w- that each person felt in that organization within control but you know with mentoring that allowed them to try things make some mistakes hopefully learn from those mistakes but that i think was what Drove the passion at that company was that everybody felt like they had skin in the game and that they made a difference, and it's very few companies that I've worked for where you felt like that. The only other company I can think of and leaders that I really admired was, I actually moved to Oregon. I was recruited to work and open the very first Home Depot stores in the state of Oregon in the early '90s, and that was amazing because it was when Arthur Blank and Bernie Marcus were at the helm and talk about leadership. I mean, Bernie Marcus could have run for president. And I think everybody in the country would have voted for him. He was just that kind of a leader where you could rally behind him. And they really had the attitude, do whatever it takes. And as a result, the employees coined a phrase, we all bled orange because of the orange aprons everybody wore in the store. And, and that was kind of the same rally, rallying effect I felt at Hollywood Video.
0: Oh, it's why people miss it. It's why people, people I, I have people talk to me all the time and go, did we take that for granted? I said, absolutely. There was an entrepreneurial, uh, and, and a lot of, you know, we would bring people in who really struggled with that environment. And you really fit at Hollywood Video really was a very important part of, of being successful there because you had to be able to be comfortable in that. Not everybody was. A lot of people wanted a whole lot more structure.
1: Right. Yeah. But you think about it, they really hired the right mix of people, both experienced people and diverse from different industries, not necessarily even retail, but also, a bunch of young kids right out of college, and yeah. it was the University of Hollywood video for a lot of people, and so they didn't know any different. Right? <laughs> so,
0: well, you know, it's it's how you it's how you take a you know a very small idea and sell it for one point two billion dollars. I mean, think about it. Yes. It, you know, when the industry was on a decline, but yes. the value of the the brand and the people was was still there.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, yeah, I mean, again, we were so fortunate to have that opportunity and to get to do the things that because it was university. I I mean, I tell people all the time, that's where I got my MBA.
1: Right. Absolutely. Because I got to do, I
0: mean, I opened up, I had no business doing acquisitions. (laughs) But they would send me you know, are opening new stores, are dealing with po- uh, politicians, and you know wards, and in uh, you know uh, uh, different cities around the country. That uh, the opportunity are hiring the people I I, I got to hire, are just being in the markets I got to be in. You know, I yeah. lived in Minneapolis, I lived in Washington D.C., I lived in it was Ashburn, Virginia, just outside of D.C. and in, Dull- in the Dulles area. Um, you know, I spent a fair amount of time in San Francisco, a fair amount of time in Texas, and was absolutely involved in every acquisition we did. And you know, I would have never got that opportunity.
1: Yeah, it felt aw- awesome to to be trusted in that manner, right? And it makes you rise up to that occasion. You really, you really, Do you think
0: it's where you did some of your best work?
1: I feel like it's where I learned how to become a, a really good manager of people, because um, in the end, it's, it's all about we're really any business is in the people business right yeah yep yeah. and and i it's where i learned to really care and not be afraid to allow others to make decisions um you you kind of gain confidence through really building a great team around you who trust you and and want to follow you so um and i was you know trusted to do that it, again i i it was the crazy environment where pretty much you could suggest something and people would say okay let's give it a try and I've never worked at another company like that where there was that level of just um I guess entrepreneurship I keep saying that but it really was that mentality of let's try it and you know it is it wasn't a small organization so that was a big monetary commitment to say let's roll this concept out and we'll try 1600 stores you know? <laughs> so- right right.
0: Yeah, let's try it. it. Let's Yeah.
1: yeah. Well it's so, and it was an exciting
0: time too, you know, because the industry was exciting. People loved to do it. We were creating opportunity. We were the fastest growing retailer in America at one point. Every 36 hours, somewhere in America, a store was opening.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's when I came on board was in ninety eight when we were opening a store a day. A store they, a day. <laughs> it was bonkers. But did you we, think
0: we were crazy?
1: Yeah, I did. I walked in. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, with I was with the Home Depot organization. We were lucky if we opened 20 a year. Right. So it just is a different concept, but still. um,
0: Well, I always take people through that model. I always take them through it. I go, think about it. It's store a day. It's 30 a month. Every 12 stores need a district manager. Every 30 store needs a regional manager. So every month we're hiring three district managers and a regional manager. Yeah. You know how hard that is? To recruit?
1: It would be impossible in today's world.
0: Oh, you couldn't do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You'd
0: have to spend so much money.
1: Yes, exactly. And it wouldn't be as aggressive of a growth. I think it would be much more cautious and... You know, there's a there isn't the, I I can't think of another retail organization in today's business climate that has that type of attitude of taking risk as as much as they did. Well, uh, they, they can't,
0: though. I mean, the, the landscape has changed so much. You know, everything is about timing. And there was this perfect time in the perfect group of people that t- came together, which I believe with a very strong brand. And they created magic.
1: Yeah. I, I agree. I I miss it. I've made lifelong friends from it, and I, like you said, I really now realize what a uh, moment in time that was. You know that. And we all live to tell the story <laughs>
0: yeah no, and, and, and it you know it shaped my whole life. I mean, it really did. It shaped my entire life and it created the and I was able to try new concepts and was introduced to so many unbelievable people whether it was you know John Alderson who's been a guest on the podcast, whether it was Dale Nafsiger, whether it was Ed Hahn uh, and not all these people Bill Spay, not all these people were everybody's best friend. Right. Not everybody loved them, but I always took the approach I wanted to learn as much as I could from who, because all these people were coming on board and they were amazing. And, yes. you know, I'm not saying I loved them all, but I, I either learned what to do or I learned what not to do. But I looked at it as a learning opportunity for all with, with to get to work with all of them.
1: Exactly. And that's what I try to impart on young people that I work with now and even my own children who are in their 20s and establishing their careers Is there's just an emphasis on really pay attention to those around you that are in roles that are of influence and make sure that you're listening to what they say and, and not only listening, but watching their actions and what they're doing. Um, and I, I I really fear that there's a big loss with this change in work environment right now of those uh, those quiet moments that are just observations that are getting missed in the daily office routine. And, oh, I, uh, I
0: and that's probably our age. and you know, there's a bunch of studies out there and there's a bunch of people talking about it. But I think the,, um, I think what you the it's those missed opportunities. You know, yes. I, I remember just somebody popping in my office mm-hmm. and then some great idea comes out of that. And, you know, now, unless you're on a zoom call or you're on, you know, you're, 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 you're on Slack, I guess, but you just don't get those unexpected, uh, intersections of people are, are, are some of the meetings that we would have in the, in the cafeteria.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah
0: you know and, and and even designing our stores after de- you know looking at testing out things i think you were part of that right testing out things at the uh, store support center that ended yeah. up making their ways into the stores
1: absolutely yeah there was a, a two people bart mills and tracy barker who really were forging the huge change in the store design and Very, very talented and creative people. And I kind of was brought in as a third wheel, the little sister they always referred me to. Yeah. (laughs) I loved um, Bart. I love, and I kind of, um, I wouldn't say I tempered the madness. That's kind of an extreme, but I was kind of inserted to be kind of a voice of reason in that. I think in hindsight, I recognize that as a young new employee, I just went in and, and thought about it as an approach of that's really cool. But how are we going to do that in 3,200 stores? Right. Right. (laughs) So, So, um, but it was, yeah, it was a great time because, again, we threw a lot of spaghetti on the wall to see what would stick. And and we were given the afforded the the uh, creative time and efforts to do that. So,
0: well, not um, only was Bart, you know, a genius, because I really do. I mean, also probably one of the nicest human beings on the planet.
1: Absolutely. Um, right.
0: <laughs> um, but he also just was. I mean, his creative energy, he, he was a true
1: creative, right? Absolutely. He he fell on the sword for yeah. any little detail he cared about, right? And oh, that's yeah. the kind of guy you want to fight for your battles for you.
0: Yeah. No, that was, uh, I, and I remember that because design was so important. The aesthetic was so, because it was part of the experience, right?
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: That, that was it. It wasn't just about renting a movie. I mean, at the end of the day, we rented cover boxes because everybody just had a cassette or a disc, right? It was the same one. Yes. It went home. So we were right, we were, we were, we were selling an aesthetic. We were selling an experience.
1: And then little subtle ways we changed how people shopped. When we switched to fixturing that allowed every title to be faced out. So you weren't just reading a spine, you were looking yeah. at the art and just the little s- subtle and and in your face details of the old hollywood experience like you really felt like, you were in a place that was special and and wanted to spend some time in, not just hurry in and grab a um, movie and get home, you know, and watch it. You actually, I remember Friday nights at the Hollywood Video were the place to be, right? It was so much fun. Yeah. No, those were the days.
0: I mean, you know, that's what you did on a, I, I miss it. I mean, yeah, I, you know, look, I love the convenience of Netflix and all of that. And, it's great, and I and there's a whole generation that will never experience what we got to experience, but um, or who hasn't experienced the Friday night at a video store. But you, but it was those unexpected little things that you would find, or or when the CSR was putting to putting away the new releases, and you got the one uh, yes. <laughs> that was out, and that was such a great feeling. And you ran home and you really watched it. And I even find with my own, you know, because I can hit pause, I can go back to it, I can whatever. I don't think I get immersed in movies like I used to, unless I go to the theater.
1: Exactly. And I, I don't think
0: I appreciate it because there's just so much content
1: out there. That's the other challenge is there's so many different delivery options now that it is overwhelming.
0: Yeah, I'd much rather spend the $9 out of Hollywood on a Friday night <laughs> than, <laughs> than all the subscriptions that I have. Um, exactly. Right? Yeah, And that's the funny thing about it. You talk about this experience and you talk about all this. But at the end of the day, you know, we never ever were able to really push that average ticket. The average Hollywood video did 2,000 transactions a month, a, a week. A week, yeah. And our And our transactions were, you know, somewhere yeah. just, sometimes you could push it to 10, but it was, you know, right around the $9 mark. Right, And right. that's what they did. That's what they did. Yeah, you'd have PV and you'd have candy concession sales, but the average ticket, because people came into the store with an idea in their head of what they were going to spend.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. That destination, the purpose was to get a movie. It wasn't to get a pizza or to get like no. all the other crazy concepts we try. <laughs>
0: right. A pizza, you know, 12 pack of Diet Coke, uh, a bunch of plush posters. Yeah. yeah it, it just, it just, it was to get a movie. And I think when we really fine-tuned on that and really made that about the, and and then the experience, right. And having people who really loved movies.
1: Exactly, yeah. and and
0: and trying to put the customer. How do you? So you know, I think when I think of you, I think of you as a designer. I think the work that you did at Hollywood was amazing. I think that people have leaned into you, uh, you know, post Hollywood, um, you know, to 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 use your mind or your design eye. Uh, I think you're really good at uh, understanding spatial um, uh, experiences. Um, or use of space, um, how do you use your design eye or apply your design eye to leadership?
1: Well, I, I, that's kind of an unusual question because you, would, you wouldn't align design with leadership. but um,
0: Oh, but you would
1: because yeah, you did
0: it over and over again. <laughs>
1: I think that the biggest thing about design is design is all about details, right? And mm-hmm. what is the saying? The devil's in the details, right? Which is like pay close attention to, to all those little things you do. And I think that translates over into leadership in that like, even the grandest project depends on the success of the smallest components. And So you've got to pay attention to to that. And sometimes the smallest components are the people in the stores that are selling your product, right? Or it is the person who's delivering the mail to the mailbox. You know, it could be a hundred different little things that you don't think about is part of the engine to get to the end of of the road, right? And so that's the... I would say that is a one thing that sticks out in my head about design. And design can be very subjective. It can be very controversial. It can cause a lot of strife. Yeah. So I think the importance is to understand the whys. And you do that by really paying attention to to every little part of the process. And um, sticking to your grand goal and defining what that is. So, and I think that's was the case. It's certainly the case today. In my small little projects, I work in now, is you really think about what the end goal is and what the little steps are along the way, and pay attention to every little detail, and just don't take it, don't brush over them.
0: But what you did is you you applied leadership and you listened to the stores. You had, you know, you had the geniuses, the madmen designing, and then you also had the practicality. You also had the cost. And then you also always took it into consideration the stores, the end user.
1: Right, right. And yeah. that's
0: where you used leadership.
1: Because I watched of- it. I remember, I remember <laughs> it like it was yesterday. It's juggling the three ring circus, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's everyone, right? Because
0: you got to manage up, you got to manage sideways, and you got to manage down. Right.
1: Uh, and absolutely. some
0: people are really good at managing up. I think we call them kiss asses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and they, no names, they, they, for, they for,
0: <laughs> no names given. Maybe I'll name one. No, no names given. <laughs> but, you know they they they've made that an art and then you have the people manage sideways they manage up appropriately you manage sideways those are your peers and then of course you manage people down
1: um, absolutely yeah
0: so that that is kind of where we you know where where the thing where the thing goes so um well let me ask you this we're gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna bounce i look i could talk to you all day um <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to get to what what advice you would give your 25-year-old self. Like I'd love mm.
1: Yeah, I think I at 25 was unusually confident and I don't know why. Mm. <laughs> so and I think sometimes that could come across as being overly, you know, a little cocky for who I was. And so I really do while you still, you know, while I was faking it till I made it and, that whole time, I think now I would tell myself to just kind of sit back and listen and, and observe more around. Um, a lot of times when you're starting out, you got, you're in the constant mode of proving yourself, proving yourself. But I do think there's some value of just taking a stop for a minute and just pay attention. Like I was saying earlier, find those people, those mentors around you and and really take the time to learn from them. Um and I think at 25 I wasn't doing that. I was doing, 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 going, going, going.
0: Right. Because and 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 probably because you had the confidence in yourself. Because you've always been super confident, right? Like you would walk into a room, you've always been a very confident person, which is, which is something I've always admired about you.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And I don't honestly know how I got it, other than I had uh, a great father who who was a great mentor to me and 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 kind of instilled that in me That's and I awesome. was pretty independent from a very young age so I think that that is what boosted me and I hope I've passed that on to my children um, I'm pretty proud of what they've done in their life so I, I hope I hope so but yeah and I think at 25 it's a it's an important time to learn it is it's important time to experiment. Try lots of different things, yep. be exposed to lots of different things, and just you know absorb it like a sponge. Yeah.
0: So thinking about that, who do you what is there a leader out there that you admire today?
1: Just as hard because it's hard for me to say. I don't know of any one person. I would say that in general, I admire people who pay who are not all in. In uh, ego, because mm. um, real confidence it kind of looks more like humility. So I I I really like those leaders that are humble, that they no longer need to like advertise their value because it comes from a place that doesn't. Require validation of others. You know, it it comes through actual actions, and oftentimes those actions are listening and caring for the people that are supporting that business. So I can't oh. think of any one person, but I, uh, those qualities in a leader are what I admire.
0: It's it's so interesting when you see the contrast between an empathetic leader, an emotionally intelligent leader, and mm-hmm. then a, a, a commanding are demanding leader and we've yeah. worked for both. Right. We, right. And, and we, we, we had both at Hollywood. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, there's really great. uh, There's really great examples of it. And when I think about my own relationship, who I'm still friends with is the, the humility. What, what attracts me is the humility and the, and the empathy.
1: Yes. yes. And I always
0: wanted to work harder for them.
1: That's it. You yeah. want to fall in line and be a part of that team and feel like you're in it together. And and good leaders do make it feel like we're all in this together.
0: Um. So, did, so when you were you, you worked with Dave. I mean, the podcast is what would Dave do? And, you know, yeah. the whole premise of this was to after Dave passed was a way to honor him and to think about his leadership and. You were there. Uh, I know that you worked with Dave because uh, he was involved in a lot of store openings. Yeah, um, yeah do you have a, a memory or story or something you want to share, or any any thoughts around Dave?
1: Well, yeah, I I just remember him as being this uh, larger than life person that could. For somebody who is young and, and maybe inexperienced, could be intimidated by, but he was so warm and welcoming of everybody. And he, I, you know, every year we had that huge managers meeting leadership conference in Las Vegas, and we would work our tails off to make that the best experience for our store directors and, and all of the regional and, 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 uh, uh, regional directors of, uh, and district managers. And I remember one time I was just, I had set up this whole display I on this new picture that we were rolling out that everybody hated. And I was there to sell it. And I did a big presentation. And I think Dave was the only one afterwards that came up and just said, hey, thanks so much for doing this. I know it was a lot of work and we really appreciate it. And I thought, you know he didn't have to do that and i thought just that little action made me have more energy change my negative attitude <laughs> about and it was just who he was he was he took the time to actually connect with people one on one in small ways and in really big ways too so that's my memory of dave
0: yeah he um he was the king of the please and thank yous
1: Yes, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. I, I,
0: he just had a way about him and he, he just knew. Uh, I always tell a, a story that I was being, you know, because I'm i a scrapper. I've always been a scrap. I'm kind of a scrappy guy and uh, maybe a little too blunt and maybe a <laughs> little too honest. And uh, there was a, a person going through a really difficult time at, at the and maybe I've shared this story on the podcast, but he was going through a really difficult time. And uh he was presenting at a meeting and and his is his his presentation was flawed, his information was inaccurate, and I attacked. and uh in fact, it almost ended mine and Dave's friendship um uh, because he was so angry at me for the way I responded. and uh-huh. uh, and then after the meeting, he pulled me aside and told me that this person was dealing with a really terrible health issue. And um, and of course, I felt horrible because I didn't know, and I didn't take the time to know, and that was no. the thing about Dave. Dave took the time because he talked to every single person in the room. He knew what he he knew. He just knew, and you know, I'm a scrapper, and he was super elegant. Why we were best friends, I don't know. Um,
1: <laughs> Opposites attract. <laughs> <yeah>, they do. <laughs> they
0: they do, and 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 you know, I I love that story because that is so, that is so Dave.
1: Yes. Yeah. And he would take that
0: time. You didn't report to him. There was nothing. But that is and and that is truly, Jennifer, one of the reasons I want to do this podcast is I don't ever want those stories to be forgotten. And I want young people and everybody to learn that those are the things. So if you're listening to this podcast, and you have that opportunity, and you're at a meeting, or you're at a conference, or you're in your office, or jump on slack and tell somebody they're doing a great job, even if they're not in your vertical. And look for those opportunities to hold the door open for somebody, look for the opportunities to help somebody, because that's what that, you know, we can look to our leaders, we can look to all this, we can, which is in disarray in this country, but we can look to that, or we can look in the mirror and look at ourselves. And that's what I always loved about Dave. And that's what Dave did. Dave, Dave didn't wait for somebody else to make an impact. He made the impact. And if you can learn anything from this, you know, the audience can learn anything. It's you make the impact. Don't wait for somebody else to make the impact.
1: Right. And you don't have to be a leader or a manager level to do that. So say, no. <laughs> say it to a coworker, say it to, you know, any, anybody really, that's all at the end of the day, people just want to be accepted and loved and yeah. recognized and seen. And I think that's uh, missing right now. And so, yeah, it's spread the love.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. And you don't, you don't have to be a leader leadership. I, you know, I always believed in building leaderships at all levels of the organization and you can be a leader as a housewife. You can be a leader. Uh, you can be a leader as anyone. You can be a leader uh, in your organization. You can be a leader in your community. Uh, don't wait for somebody to anoint you. Um, and, and it, it doesn't take much, like you said, just come up and saying, Hey, thanks. What a great job.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, Jennifer, we're going to run out of time uh, um, on this platform, but I tell you what, I knew you'd be a great guest and uh, I think the world of you and uh, I can't thank you enough for, for taking time this morning to chat with me and share your Hollywood stories and your Dave stories and just your philosophy. And there's no wonder why you've been successful. And uh, there's no, there's no wonder in my eye, why people don't, why people look up to you. It's pretty obvious. So thank thank you. you. Thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: It's